In the first reading, we hear about the conversion of Paul. The first reading is from Acts, the ninth chapter. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. The psalm reading for the third Sunday of Easter is Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have driven... For you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to you and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. 
O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. In a vision revealed in Revelation, John's sorrow is overshadowed by the hosts of heaven as they praise the Lamb. The second reading is from Revelation, the fifth chapter. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 21st chapter. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, Well, we'll go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet His disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered Him, No. He said to them, Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat. You will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard there was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. He threw himself into the sea. The other disciples, well, they came in the boat, 
dragging the net full of fish, for they're not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and he hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dare ask Him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came. He took the bread and He gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after He was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love Me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, I truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The gospel of our Lord. Today we have a third Sunday of Easter and a special, special set of words from the book of John to us, the 21st chapter. Before we talk about that a little bit, I want to hear a little story going into it. So sometime in the last couple of months, uh, Danette uh, and I were gifted tickets to see a concert. Um, it showed up on, I don't know, either this Facebook or something. It said, I, we can't go. Somebody wants the tickets. First one who calls me, we'll get you tickets. And lo and behold, she said, yes, we'll take them. We didn't even know what the music was really going to be about. But she said, honey, you and I have a date. Let's go. And, um, and off we went. And it was at the Walton Arts place. And there were five gentlemen that had had their voices trained. And one can make sounds just about like anything in creation. He can make the sound of a bass drum and a snare and a cymbals and all that drum noise he just made with his voice and the microphone. He said he would like spit into it and make sounds, but it would just work. It sounded like old percussion set. And then he could make, they all found ways of making like guitar sounds and, and keyboard sounds and other sounds. And then some of them had, one guy had a bass voice. He has the lowest, biggest bass voice I've heard in my life. And he's got a reputation probably around the world for this voice. So these five guys pulled off music without any instruments. Without any instruments. Just their voices. Just their voices. So they're playing songs from... Oh, we need a lullaby. Sorry. 
Yeah, she's good now. All right, so they're playing songs. They started off like in the 40s, and they went to the 50s and the 60s, and they were playing all different kinds of genres of music. It was really fun to listen to this. I was, I'm just constantly amazed with every time they sang a new song, how they're making it sound so wonderful. Well, as they're progressing through the night, as with most performances, there is a progression. And they're building you up from the very beginning and the, the, the initial enthusiasm to different moments on the way. When they get toward the end, they're building towards a conclusion, right? This beautiful ending. And they were doing the same thing. They brought us to the end. They even announced it. Now, this is going to be our last song. And here it was. And they, they put out this just wonderful song. And, and they made it come to life with all kinds of energy and things. And then they, it was done. Kind of like it all wrapped up. They took their bow. Everybody stands and were applauding like crazy. It was just a great thing. And, and then they left. The show was over. They brought themselves to a place where it was a nice, natural conclusion. And then they left. Well, we kept applauding because we were looking for what a lot of us would call what an encore, right? And an encore means like it's another performance or a repeat, well, what these guys did wasn't really an encore. It wasn't like another performance. What they came out and they did was, word, word, the word for it is a coda. See, a coda gives you to, you get your place to a piece of music or a performance or a song, and you think it comes to a natural ending. But somehow, the composer and the artist find a way of taking that, end, that ending with a coda, and they make it even more. So a coda, actually, it comes from the Latin word coda, which means tail. So it's, it, it really, it's, sometimes it's hard to identify the animal without the tail. So in here, to get that piece, the animal wasn't complete until we saw the tail. And I know about the animals and the tail because once upon a time, we had an animal that was visiting our house and our trash, and we weren't necessarily happy with it. But when we pulled in the driveway and we see this little thing, black thing, hobbling off through the, the cedar trees, we didn't know what it was because it didn't have a tail. Come to find out it was a raccoon, and it must have just been run over or something because it didn't have a tail. But we couldn't identify it as a raccoon because it didn't have a tail. So on, on music like this, the tail sometimes really matters. It helps you put the whole package together. And so they provided this extra song. They came back out, and they performed one more song, and it was a happy like song that was made in the last five years. It had a great bass rhythm that the guy was making. They sang it wonderfully, and it even sent us off with even more just joy for the night. The coda did that. So now, with that in mind, think about John's Gospel, chapter 21. Many Bible scholars think and believe that John's chapter 21 is functioning within his book as, as a kind of coda, a kind of tale that makes the whole thing just take another level of understanding. John ends chapter 20. So again, chapter 21 is the coda. John ends chapter 20, which we read last week, with these words. And here's the ending of chapter 20. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Period. End of chapter. Stage lights set. Our lights come on. Time to go. I mean, it's like a natural conclusion to the book. That phrase, that period. And it sounds like an end. 
After all, we've already known all he's done for his whole life. We know about a crucifixion. We know about a resurrection. That morning, the women went out. The guys went out. One of them got to see Jesus. And since that time, Jesus has appeared in the upper room. He found him in that tomb. And he told him, I'm alive in the peace. He came back a second time. And at the end of that one, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And so at the end of that chapter 20, it comes to a natural conclusion. Jesus is risen. They believe they can now go to the ends of the earth sharing the good news that God's love and God's forgiveness wins. What more could there be? The audience applauses. They go home. But as it turns out, there's a coda. There's a tale. For John continues in chapter 21 with these words. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, this time by the Sea of Tiberias. Now, I especially love in this the disciples that were there that are named. If you remember, we have Simon Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel, and we have the sons of Zebedee. Now, let's take a look at these guys. Why these guys? Well, it starts off with Simon Peter. Simon Peter is the one who denied Jesus not once, not twice, three times. And he not only denied him, he denied him with Jesus in a position where he could absolutely see and hear that Peter's denying him. So he's there. What about Thomas? Thomas is the one that Jesus appears to all of his friends. His friends say, we've seen him, we believe. This is such great news. And Thomas says, I'm not going to believe. I refuse to believe unless I am able to touch his, his marks and his scars with my hands. So Thomas might not be all that shiny. And then you think about Nathaniel. Nathaniel disrespected Jesus in the very beginning when he's being called. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, can, no good people and no, nothing good is in that place. I don't, I don't have anything to do with that. He down-talks Jesus. And then the two other, the sons of Zebedee, as Jesus is moving to Jerusalem so that he can die on a cross to save them with his sacrifice on that cross, these two guys are maneuvering to find out who's going to be able to sit on his right and who's going to be able to sit on his left. They're interested in positions of power. And those are the five guys that are there. Ah, plus a couple more that aren't named. But those five guys are there. Not exactly an all-star lineup. Maybe they're a whole lot like us in some way or another. And to those guys comes the coda. Peter's mention on this list is especially notable. If we think about it, it probably makes sense. Peter is probably in a mental and emotional place of mess. He's wrecked. He has and he remembers how he denied his Lord. The one he's having a breakfast with, he has to be in his presence knowing that just days earlier, he refused to even say that he knew him. Peter denied Jesus three times. He denied his best friend. He denied his Lord. He denied the person he'd been following for three years. Peter said, I will die for you. I'll fight for you. No, Lord, let's go, just go to war together. And instead, he shows up on the day in the face of battle, and he's a coward, and he says, I do not know that man. He didn't even call him Jesus. So we can easily understand that Peter's not in a good place. Probably a little sad, a little rejected, a little disappointed in himself. 
And so to Peter, and maybe we can feel like that sometimes. Maybe there's some things that we wanted to do in our life that we have failed to do. Maybe there's some things that we wish we would have said that we, that we didn't say, or we could have said, or things that we said that we wish we never would have said. When we had opportunities to rise up and be the person God created us to be, that in those opportunities we absolutely fall on our face, and they haunt us, and they haunt us. They can. Peter was haunted. And so, we have the story of Jesus finding him. The Coda, chapter 21. So, they've been fishing all night. They've caught nothing. There's a story earlier in the life of Jesus and his disciples where they were fishing. And we didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, well, why don't you throw the net down? And they did, and they caught so many fish, they couldn't believe it. And so now they follow Jesus. Well, this is an echo of that. Jesus goes to where the fishermen live and where they work, where their businesses are. And he finds him in his place. And they've been fishing all night. They've caught nothing. They've stayed up all night fishing. They've caught nothing. They're physically tired. They're sleep tired. And then some character on the side says, throw your net over onto the other side. And just like before, they caught fish. They didn't even know how they could hold them in their nets. They don't even try to bring them in the boats. They're just going to try to drag them to the shore so that at least the shore will help support the nets. And early morning, now that they've heard that, catch some fish. And it's a miracle because they fished all night. There were no fish. And now because at the word of this person, they catch fish, it's got to be Jesus. Because only God can do that kind of a miracle. So now they get to shore. And what do they see after this meeting? The first thing they, they see is they see Jesus is there. And not only do they see Jesus, but they see that he's prepared them a breakfast. What a beautiful story this is for us. And his resurrection, after all the stuff he's done, after all the stuff that his, his disciples have failed to do, Jesus is going to show up to them on the third time. And on this third time, he's going to stand before them or sit before them, and he's going to serve them. He's the God of God and King of kings, and he's not asking to be served. He's not asking to be have any words of gratitude or anything towards them. He loves them so much, it's all about them, and he serves them. He gets up early to make that fire, to make a warm space for them. He gets up early to have the fish and to prepare the bread for them to eat. Jesus is serving even in the very last moments. How much for the church to do the same thing? So there, he's serving. And one of the beautiful pieces of things has to do with John noticing details. Burning coals. There's a, there's a coal fire there. And around that coal fire... Peter's going to say, or John, or Jesus is going to say to Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Take care, tend my lambs. She, three times around those coals. Now, John is not just randomly picking out those things to first. It's important. The very first time that Peter denied Jesus, he was in the temple courts on a cold night, early morning. And it gets cold outside in the early morning. And he was warming himself by the coal fire. Peter denied Jesus by a coal fire. Peter is being found by Jesus by a coal fire. And he's going to be loved by him three times to overcome his three denials by a coal fire. There's anchors set back and forth. There always are. So... This is what it says in John chapter 18. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. So that fire in 18 and this fire in 21. Now we can see and begin to see the significance of why there's a coda 
why John has to have chapter 21 included into his book. Where John's words end in chapter 20, it could seem like the book came to an end. For everybody that's involved with this, that could have been a natural conclusion. He wrote these things, and there are so many more he could have written, but these are written so that you can believe and trust that he's the Son of God, the Savior, and have life in his name. So that's a natural ending for everybody, but it wouldn't have been a natural ending for Peter. It would have been good for the world to end there. That would have been a great ending to the story. But the world celebrating that ending to the story, Peter would have been left over here, not in a good place. We wouldn't have even noticed Peter's need had John not added and been inspired by the Holy Spirit to add this chapter 21. But Peter would have noticed. Peter absolutely would have noticed had he not had that event with Jesus by the side of the lake. Peter would have remained in that place of mental torment because he failed his Lord when the Lord needed him most. Peter would have been in that place of that emotionally wrecked place because he, he, did, just, he let himself down. Not just Jesus, but he, he wanted to be the hero. He wanted to be somebody for his Lord and stand in faith with it like a brother. And he turned like a coward. Peter had needs. He would have remained in that place Wounded and scarred and weighed down, ineffective, potentially for the rest of his life. Are there people that you know that have been wounded and deal with hardship and hard decisions and hard activities, devastating moments, and they have to live with that the rest of their lives? Whether it's grade school, high school, young adults, veteran adults, maybe we all do. Maybe this code is for us all. So now, we have chapter 21. Some folks might be living in a place, as some other place have this code. Some people might be thinking that the whole world's in this, they're at the end of chapter 20 place. Maybe when we look around and the people around us, and we, we come to church, and this always happens in the church, you come to church and you look at people and they got their hairs made nice and their makeup's on if they need makeup or they want makeup, and they got their good clothes on and they brush their teeth and everything. And they show up and, and they're like saying, I'm okay and you're okay. And you ask them how they're doing. Oh, yeah, life's great. And it's, it's, it's like that. And it's like they got to the end of the chapter 20 and life is good. Like everybody who reads John's book gets to the after chapter 22 and it could end right there. And you look around and you think, man, is anybody like me with some unfinished business? With some places in my life that are absolutely wrecked and I actually need Jesus to come back at least one more time? We wonder why the music has ended when we haven't seen it. That everybody's okay, but not me. And sometimes in that place you can be surrounded by a crowd and still feel alone. The promise of this God in chapter 21, this coda, this tale, it's not just for Peter who had a lot of unfinished business that Jesus needed to finish on that day. It's for you and to me. Because in this day Jesus wants to find us and he'll go where we are. If it's at our workplace, He'll find us. If it's our homes, He'll find us. If it's by the side of the sea or in the middle of the desert, Jesus wants to find us. And there He wants to bless us. He wants to serve. He wants to put out His very best for us. 
And in that place, He wants to call us back to a place that's alive and a place that is of service to Him and to ourselves and just restored and healed and fed up. Chapter 21 is, is for all of us. The show has not ended at the end of chapter 20. Like Peter, you and I are invited to join Jesus. That we can warm by the fire. The same fire we could deny, deny Him, we can be warmed by that same fire and be restored. That we can be fed from His table. That we can have our sins recognized. And this is where it gets real important. The sins recognized. When we come to the church and we come to the altar and we make our confession, we're not just saying the gentle, easy sins that if we share with somebody that they might not be real happy with us, but they're really going to be, well, they'll be okay that. No, when Peter comes to this place, his, the sins that he's being exposed on him are the, some of the, the ugliest, grossest, most shameful things that a person could do potentially. And so when, when Peter comes on this day, it's all out there. It's like he's naked. When he was out there fishing, he didn't eat clothes. He was in the water. He's working. He put clothes on to come ashore. So in that naked, vulnerable place to say, yes, Lord, this is my life. And I got a lot of junk. I know my motives. My motives are not good. I know my agendas are not good. Some of my dreams have nothing to do with you. I forget you. I neglect you. I neglect you. I mean, you just put it all out there. And in that place, like Peter being called out three times, hear that you're forgiven. Yes, God knows you, and He loves you anyway. And there's nothing you can do about it, because He just loves you. And that He can forgive you even if you don't have the capacity to confess and ask for forgiveness, because He wants to forgive you. And He won't stop chasing us until we get to the place where we can be honest and we can confess. And then having been forgiven and fed, the next thing Jesus adds, He says, follow me. My way. That's an indication of everything they've learned for the past three years. Do it my way, guys. My way is the ways of heaven. My way is the ways that's right and good and full of life. The other ways are lies are going to lead you to dark places. Follow me in my ways. And the last thing he says is it is a sin. It's to go. You've been received life. You've been you've received forgiveness. All the junk and all the stuff that you bring to me at this table is forgiveness wiped out. Hear me say it three times. If you didn't hear me tell me that I love you and I forgive you once, no problem, I'll say it twice. You didn't hear me loud enough the second time, let me say it a third time. Peter, I love you. You and I. Sometimes we can't forgive ourselves very well. And on today, you can hear Jesus telling you three times. Because you didn't hear it the first time, you didn't hear it the second time, so let me give you a nice loud voice, megaphone, right in your face, super loud, with a heart full of love. You are forgiven. And then from that place, take care of my sheep, tend to my lambs, take care of my sheep. All this rest of the world around us that doesn't know Jesus, our reason and purpose to exist as a people is to love on them and get them home to that same coal side fire where they can hear that they're loved and they're forgiven and they're set free to do the same thing. This is the mandate for the church. Be loved and help other people be loved too. The coda, the tale, right? The coda, C-O-D-A. It's a pretty cool chapter. Thanks be to God we got to listen to it today and help us be His church. Amen. Let us confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. 
I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray to our risen Savior on behalf of the church, the world, and one another. Blessed Lord, you appear to the disciples, showing yourself again as the one and only risen Redeemer. You forgave Peter's betrayal and appointed him to feed your sheep. Forgive our sins, restore us to your service, and bless all that we do, that it be to your glory. Risen Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You turned Saul from an enemy of your kingdom into your servant. You sent him as an apostle to the Gentiles. Turn our hearts from rebellion and resistance to your word and spirit. Lead us to be bold witnesses of your mercy in words and in deeds. Risen Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, you commanded your servant Peter to feed your lambs and to tend your sheep. Grant your church the faithfulness, compassion, and courage to feed your flock with your living word of truth and grace, your living water of baptism, and your living body and blood that is the source of life everlasting. Risen Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bless this congregation. Kindle our hearts to seek the lost. Lift up the brokenhearted and feed hungry souls around us with your holy precious word. Make this church a place of welcome for them to come home to. Risen Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Savior, you deliver the sick from their illness, the wounded from their pain, the grieving from their sorrow, and the dying from their fear. Help us on behalf of those named in the prayer requests and those we silently name in our hearts. Bless all people according to their need. Grant them grace sufficient to carry them through their challenges and sustain their faith. Risen Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we present these prayers through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is risen from the dead and who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 